Look at my boots. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Texas is full of iconic imagery. The Lone Star flag, the Alamo, cowboy hats, pickup trucks, and perhaps most iconically, cowboy boots. Today we're talking about some of the people who put Texan footwear on the map. But first, if you could have a pair of cowboy boots made from any skin or material, real or fictional, what would it be? Puff the Magic Dragon. Hmm. Puff the Magic Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. Now you're talking about the original cartoon one, like cartoon boots from the the 70s, or you're talking about the modern remake from a few years ago? Oh, that'd be... Like, like kind of like something from Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something? Yeah, like, like cartoon like skin that. boots. I'll take that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think uh, paper boots would be very useful. <laughs> um, I don't know. I came up with this question, and then I couldn't come up with a good answer. Um, you know, maybe something exotic like crate dragon hide, some dewback skin. Or maybe the exotic vile wrappings of the fell beast or Balrog. You know, something way out there. I think was and, gonna... prefer- and preferably something bad and evil so that the oh, beautiful yeah. animal didn't need to die. Yeah. Yeah, akin that's to why, the that's why, I pick, that's why I picked Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that uh, skins are fine, but, you know, maybe a pair of boots made from that stuff the black box on the airplanes is made from. Totally indestructible. Only my You'll boots never, will survive yeah. me. And if we You'll go that know. direction, maybe, uh, yeah, I'd say maybe some uh, flexible material similar to the ceramic tiles that were on the space shuttle. Those would be pretty durable. Uh, go full Star Trek and make them out of transparent aluminum. <laughs> flexible transparent aluminum. Why not? How about Wolverine skin? Oh. <laughs> I'm clomp around in these. All right, I think we're good now. I think we're good on boots. <laughs> So the December 2019 issue of Texas Monthly Magazine had a great article in it that caught my eye. It's called Texans and Their Boots, Reflections from a Few of Our Favorite People. It was uh, compiled by Michael Hall, Skip Hollinsworth, Andy Langer, Emily McCuller, Katie Vine, and Lauren Smith Ford. Just like it says on the tin, they interviewed some Texans that they knew and collected their thoughts on boots. Um, I said to myself, Texans and cowboy boots would make a great episode of podcasting. And myself said, let's do it. So here we are, talking about boots. Before we get into the culture of boots in Texas, let's talk about the basics. What is a cowboy boot anyway? Well, let's go to Wikipedia. What we call cowboy boots are just a specific style of riding boot traditionally favored by cowboys. Pretty matter-of-fact stuff. They generally have rounded or pointed toes and slick leather soles ideal for sliding the boot in and out of the stirrups, and a nice stacked leather heel to keep it there. The boots themselves are traditionally made from cowhide with a high shaft and no lacing. Now, lacing can cause trouble when you're in the saddle. If you fall off your horse, you don't want your foot to get stuck, and forgoing laces means you might be able to wiggle your foot out of the boot, free yourself from danger. The original style popular with American cowboys was the Wellington boot, which was, of course, made famous by the Duke of Wellington. Now, this was one of the first mass-produced styles, and it stretched a bit higher up the leg. Uh, 
By the 1860s, however, the fashion trends of dress boots, the cowboy wouldn't wear their work boots going out on the town, and they wouldn't wear their dress boots out on the ranch. Well, they'd filtered out into the work boots, and all of the boots started to have decorative top stitching on the uppers, the geometric cutouts, and underslung heels. Now, the modern cowboy boot, which has gone through several different shifts in fashion over its long history, including the introduction of the sharp pointy toes in the in the 1940s. These were directly inspired by Spanish vaqueros, uh, which is Spanish for cowboys, and they became especially popular with cowboys working the cattle ranches of Kansas, Oklahoma, and of course, good old Texas. One of the earliest well-known bootmakers and sellers was none other than Herman Joseph Justin, better known as Daddy Joe Justin. Daddy Joe was born in Indiana, but came to Texas at 18 in 1877. He got a job as a shoe repairman in Gainesville, but took out a loan, which was about $35, and moved to Spanish Fort, Texas, now known as Burlington, to start up his own business. It was a great location for bootmaking, as Burlington was a stop on the Chisholm Trail and served as a supply depot for ranchers and cattle drivers. Justin was one of the first to use the decorative stitching that we talked about in the boot uppers, largely to help keep them stiff and prevent them from collapsing around the ankle while the cowboys were out working. When the railroad came to Nakona, which was nearby, in 1889, Justin and his wife Annie moved the business there to take advantage of a larger market. And they took advantage of that market and the transportation that the railroad provided. Uh, In 1880, it was actually Annie that came up with a kind of revolutionary self-measuring kit that customers could use at home to order new boots by mail. So rather than having to come into a shop and get their foot measured by the bootmaker, they had a system that they figured out where people could measure it at home, send in their measurements, and get their boots custom-made. Yeah, I think they could cut out or they had different – they had different – it's like a different shades on the piece of paper, and they could put their foot against it to measure. The Justins had seven children, and they all joined the bootmaking business in some capacity. The eldest brothers, John and Earl, became full partners in the company in 1908 when Justin Boots was renamed to H.J. Justin and Sons. Daddy Joe died in 1918. His sons moved the business to Fort Worth in 1925, but his daughter Enid didn't think Daddy Joe would approve and stayed behind to start the Nakona Boot Company. Both companies did very well and grew throughout the years, and they tried to maintain high standards of craftsmanship. As Daddy Joe said, quote, No boot shall ever bear the Justin brand unless it is the very best that can be produced from the standpoint of material, style, and worksmanship. It is my wish that I might leave behind me an institution which will uphold the standards and spirit of the true West. As is the way with large companies, mergers and acquisitions do happen. In 1968, H.J. Justin and Sons merged with, of all things, the Acme Brick Company, and they formed the first Worth Corporation. I have no idea if uh, Roadrunners and uh, Coyotes were involved in this acquisition. <laughs> maybe they paid. Maybe maybe Wiley Coyote paid for it. A few years later, Daddy Joe's grandson, John Justin Jr., took over the company and renamed it Justin Industries. Uh, They continued to have success, and in 1981, Justin bought a controlling interest in the Nakona Boot Company, bringing that offshoot back into the family fold. In 1990, they even bought another giant Texas boot-making company, Tony Lama. As of 2000, Justin Industries has been part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway Company, 
proving that Texas Boots is a good financial investment. Tony Lama learned the shoe trade as an 11-year-old Italian immigrant in Syracuse, New York. As a young man, he joined the Army and served as a cobbler for the U.S. Cavalry stationed in Fort Bliss in West Texas. When he separated from the service in 1912, he stayed in El Paso and opened a small shoe shop, largely still doing trade for the Army. When the horse soldiers started to go out of fashion, Lama turned to making Western-style boots exclusively and already had a reputation for high-quality product. By 1933, Tony Lama Boot Company had a factory turning out 33 pairs of boots a day. The name Tony Lama became synonymous with innovation in the boot-making industry during the 1950s when they introduced a wide range of exotic materials, intricate decoration, and boot shapes with lower heels that were just as good for walking as they were for riding. By the 80s, 45% of their business was in exotic leathers like shark, lizard, alligator, boa, turtle, anteater, elephant, camel, goat, eel, and even the humble ostrich. Tony Lama passed away in 1974, but control of the company, a public corporation since 1971, stayed with his children until they merged with Justin Industries in 1990. Along with the legacy of Justin, Tony Lama boots are known for a high degree of quality of manufacture. Another legendary Texas bootmaker is Salvatore or Sam Lucchese. Lucchese and his brother Joseph were the son of a shoemaker. Uh, Lucchese and his brother Joseph were the sons of a shoemaker, and they came to Galveston in 1882 from their native Sicily. They moved to San Antonio and opened up their own boot shop. Much like H.J. Justin, they sold mostly to troops in the cavalry, in this case, Fort Sam Houston. Lucchese developed a reputation for quality, but he was also interested in efficiency and growing his business. He was always eager to embrace new technology when it was available, and he tried to make the best boots at the lowest cost. Their business boomed in San Antonio, and Lucchese invested heavily in local real estate, including the Teatro Zaragoza and the Teatro Nacional in the heart of San Antonio's Mexican-American community. The latter would become a vital part of the social entertainment scene in the 1920s. Uh, in 1923, Lucchese suffered a stroke, and his son Cosimo took over day-to-day -day operations and the little family business became a corporation. Perhaps more than any other bootmaker, Lucchese is known for his famous customers. John Wayne wore Lucchese boots for over 50 years, and other celebrities such as Bing Crosby, James Garner, Andrew Sweet, and Zsa Zsa Gabor wore custom Lucchese boots. Lyle Lovett wears a custom pair of Lucchese boots on stage designed by his wife and keeps an off-the-shelf pair by his door to pick up the mail. The most prominent Texan to wear Lucchese may have been President Lyndon Baines Johnson, but the largest is Big Tex, who looms over the State Fair of Texas every September since 1952 in his size 96 custom Lucchese boots. Howdy, partner. <laughs> the Lucchese company has not been immune to all the consolidations and acquisitions throughout the years. In 1970, they were acquired by the Bluebell Overall Company, who also owned the Western Apparel brand Wrangler. In 1987, the Lucchese headquarters moved to El Paso, where they remain today. They were then sold to the Western Apparel conglomerate Arena Brands in 1998. And um, if you go to the Lucchese website, uh, they have a really nice history page that basically is this big timeline of uh, a bunch of famous people wearing their boots. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. That's pretty awesome. Well, with all these extensive boot-making legacies in Texas, 
you might think it's too late to get started and try something new. Native Texan Paul Hedrick thought otherwise and started Tecovas in 2015. They were dubbed the Warby Parker of cowboy boots by some, and Tecovas centered on a direct-to-consumer business model that strives to eliminate the markups of middlemen that had increased the cost of high-quality boots over the years. Hedrick is a Harvard-educated economist, and he found himself to be passionate about consumer-oriented businesses. He realized that nobody was offering high-quality boots like the ones he loved, the most expensive part of his wardrobe. So he quit his consulting job and spent more than a year doing research to figure out how to do it. To cut through the confusion that a lot of customers have at traditional boot stores, piled high with rows and rows of boots and a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different materials, Tecovis started with just four styles, two for men and two for women, and now still only has between 14 and 20. They found traditional artisans to make their boots at a factory in Leon, Mexico, which has actually been producing high-quality footwear for some of the larger companies for more than 80 years. Instead of sticking within a retail price point and figuring out what could be made within those constraints, Hedrick worked with the manufacturing partners to decide what it would take to make the quality footwear he wanted to sell and set the price at whatever that would take. Without the typical consumer markup, this makes for a higher quality handmade boot at a more affordable price. While the boots themselves aren't made in Texas, Tecovis is based in Austin and has deep Texas roots. These are just a few of the best-known Texas bootmakers that have helped enrich the world. Many more have come and gone, and many continue to ply their trade. New custom bootmakers seek to make their name in a multi-billion Western apparel industry like Tecovis. But only time will tell if they'll rest alongside legendary names like Justin, Tony Lama, or even Lucchese. I will leave with a quote. The very things that make cowboy boots structurally perfect for locking into a stirrup, the pointy toe, the high instep, make them perfect for locking onto the rung of a ladder. That's what boots are about. It's not about style, it's work gear. And that was Evan Voiles, who's an Austinite neon sign maker and a boot collector. Well, let, let me say, Lucchese boots look gorgeous. Um, they are really expensive. They can run very expensive, but I know people that have some and that they swear by them, that they say they're worth every yep. every penny. Yep. They are quite um, pricey, but they are beautiful. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite pictures on their website is uh, actually Arnold Schwarzenegger getting fitted for a pair of their 125th anniversary boots. Look which, at my boots! Which sold for uh, $12,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Tacova's boots are nice, are very nice too, but they're also in the same, that same price range. Uh, they're, they're more affordable. Tacova's yeah. are more affordable. Yeah. I mean, that's you're that's gonna... the whole point. They're, yeah. they're still expensive, but they're, they're a lot less than your, your uh, um, more custom custom boots now i I just want to go back and and talk about some that um you know like we said up at the top um cowboy boots in texas are kind of go together it's just one of those things right um and even though all boots aren't made in texas it's not like texans invented boots although i'm sure someone would claim that we did um they are a big part of our culture. Um, I haven't personally had a pair of boots since I was a wee lad, but um, fairly certain they were some derivative, some brand within uh, the Justin umbrella. 
Well, I'll say, you know, I have a pair of cowboy boots and uh, I have a pair of, uh, they're, they're kind of a dark cherry sort of a lizard skin. And I've had them, well, it's one of those things, I've, I think I bought them in 93, 94, and I still have them. And I've had them resold a couple of times. I don't wear boots all, you know, they're not daily wear for me, so I'm not worrying about that much. But, you know, that's the other thing about a quality boot is you can have them resold, have them, you know, you can have the leather fixed, you can have them polished, shined, you know, restructured up. But you, once you break in a pair, they're your pair forever. Yeah, oh. and um, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a big trade in vintage boots, you know, much like people collect vintage guitars and uh, other, you know, vintage things that represent craftsmanship. Um, yeah, but that's weird because somebody's things. feet have been in there. A lot. Uh, yeah, but it's still a thing. <laughs> it's yeah, just, I, the, the point is a well-made boot, a well-made pair of boots is going to last if you maintain it. Well, I have a pair of, uh, they're not really cowboy boots, they're, they're work boots, but they're, they're Wellington-style uh, boots. Um, they are Durango, which is not uh, a Texas company. However, uh, they have a Texas flag on them, and it says come and take it on the, on the sole. Uh, so I consider those uh, appropriate <laughs> for me to wear. That's very on brand for me to wear those. Yeah. But well, uh, yeah, I, I I had a so so one person I heard a comedian say uh, talking about the saying pointy-toed cowboy boots are are a contradiction or a redundancy because if you can't kill a cockroach in the corner, they're not cowboy boots. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I had a, I think when I was a kid, I had a pair of ropers. Um, I, when I was little, I had a pair of boots and then I saved up when I was in junior high to get a pair of ropers, uh, that were Tony Lama ropers and wore those for a while. And, um, yeah, it's boots are part of Texas's character. Yep. And that, yeah, I mean, talking about the, the name, Justin, uh, Justin boots. Um, I want to say it was Justin that when I was a kid, um, flipping through my comic books, I want to say that there were Justin boot ads mm-hmm. for a particular, at least a particular period of time in the comics, um, like the late '80s. I'm googling right now, see if I can find an image, but I can't. Find I'm pretty one. sure you're right. I recognize, but uh, I, I had that image stuck in my head of a kid in a cowboy hat wearing his Justin boots and that distinctive Justin logo on there. Um. But yeah, and I think one of the inter- interesting things about uh, cowboy boots and, and Texas boots in particular is that, um, you know, they started out very much as a work boot, and then they had fashion versions of those, you know, fashionable versions of those work boots that they would wear around town, and then those were made so well that that style, they liked them so much that that style, you know, drifted back into their actual work boots. Um, so you, you still have a lot of differentiation sometimes between what is considered a work boot and a dress boot. Um, but these days, a lot of times, it's it's as much a function of just material as it is design. You know, it's like the, the good boots generally all have a very similar design, I think. And I'm not an expert by any means. Um, I'm just going by what I've observed. You mean you don't have that PhD in bootology? I do not. I do not. And I, I don't even own a pair of cowboy boots right now, but uh, I'm thinking maybe I should. The main issue, of course, being, being that uh, I don't think any of my, my jeans are properly cut to wear with boots. 
Yeah, I would be curious to see. I bet there's probably more boot cut jeans sold than actual boots in America, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised what... But I have a pair of boots, and you'd be surprised which one of your jeans... You, the jeans we wear as 40-something-year-old men fit on jean, on uh, on boots, because we're not wearing skinny jeans. Most of us aren't, so... Okay, <laughs> Boomer, I'm actually 25. <laughs> um but again, you know, talking about these these um, legendary names in bootmaking, um, I just think it's really cool that there's this legacy of craftsmanship that uh, largely started, you know, from the the cattle drives in Texas and the you know the army cavalry and and you know coming from there and just turning into this thing that's continued, you know, to this day. And of course, during the '80s, the whole fad. Um, perpetuated by Urban Cowboy and Electric Horseman and all of that, that didn't hurt things at all. Not a bit. Not a bit. Well, why don't you snap a picture of your boots and send them to us? Or tell us a funny boot story. Just let us know what you think about Texas and the humble cowboy boot. And if there's a great story of Texas boot history that we missed, well, let us know about it. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, well, tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. Thank you.